Kia ora, welcome back to Flying the Fern, powered by New Zealand Stories, Fernmark License Programme and produced by Raw Collective. This series is all about telling the real-life stories of well-known New Zealand businesses that carry the official Fernmark logo. We dig into how they came about, the challenges they've overcome and their contribution to the reputation New Zealand businesses have around the world. Kia ora. On today's episode, we have Paul Ryan and Emma Wheeler from Trust Codes. It's hard to imagine a time before QR codes, but we're really only scratching the surface of how they can be used. And that's where today's guests come in, helping businesses to tell their stories and showcase their authenticity to consumers in increasingly values-driven marketplaces. Trust Codes is a New Zealand tech company that allows companies to promote better storytelling and better product provenance. Through Trust Codes, these businesses can communicate direct to shoppers in the supermarket or in a retail store, helping their products to jump off the shelf and showcase all the good things about them. As the saying goes, the most important thing is to do the right thing. And the next most important thing is to tell people you're doing the right thing. CEO Paul Ryan and Head of Strategy Emma Wheeler sat down to talk with me about how their business works, how they've achieved global scale, and the reality of being a New Zealand-founded tech company. Welcome. First thing I need to do is give you one of these each. And, and Thank you. And the next five minutes of the podcast will be you <laughs> desperately trying to put them in while trying to answer weird questions and, and pairing cool. I love that. There's this little sound of opening that's yeah. going to go yeah. on in the background. First question, what's the one thing that you would tell a visitor to New Zealand to, that they must do? The one must-do Kiwi thing. I'm going to say, because we're a tech business, but we're based in Tamaki Makaurau, I'm going to say go to Tauranga and Mount Maunganui, experience Silicon Bay with all the technology down there, experience horticulture, farming, and the amazing outdoor life that New Zealand offers. Wow. Yeah. First piece of advice from an Aucklander is to get out of Auckland. Okay. Yeah, I agree. My um, family's from the Mount, so I've got roots there, so I always recommend the Mount. But even just going up north to the beaches, I think, just typical kind of Kiwi stuff, grabbing a boogie board, going down the sand dunes, nice. 90-mile beach. Love it. Well, welcome to both of you from Trust Codes. Now, trust is in your name. I'm interested to hear about where the idea of this thing called Trust Codes came from. Yeah, we um, founded the company because we knew New Zealand had a whole lot of high-value exports, yep. particularly in milk form at the time, when new consumers were looking for authenticity, make sure the product was real and safe, and we believe there was a digital solution to that problem. Yeah. So we found the Trust Codes a uh, long time ago now, nine years ago. Wow. And what does it actually do, Emma? So we like to liken it to a license plate on a car. Yeah. So essentially you have a digital identity that's unique to each and every product. And as the product moves through the supply chain, data can be attached to that. So essentially from conception right through until when it's in a consumer's hand and they can scan the unique QR code via their smartphone or WeChat um, in China. Yeah. Um, and they receive a whole bunch of data-driven storytelling. And then we've also got brands that are really interested in circularity and that sustainability story. So even taking it past the consumer's hands. So tracking it back into the supply chain. Oh, you can find out what's happened to the waste, for example. Yeah, exactly. When the product's finished its useful life and what happens next. Yeah, yeah. So we've done some really cool projects lately on that circularity story and being able to track the product um, through its entire life cycle back yeah. into the supply chain. So what sort of products is it good for? Is it physical goods, you know, like machinery and equipment or is it food? or We kind of specialise in food and fibre. I think New Zealand has a really unique and special story in export markets with its food and fiber products. So we started with infant milk, I think, was the kind of first key product. I think 
parents are very aware of the safety of the products that they give their children. So yeah. the way the trust codes works, it really gives parents assurance that the product is real and yeah. then it can also carry those credence claims with it. So starting in infant milk, we work with a lot of high-value products such as honey. Meat is a really good one. Exporting to the US, for example, where yeah. credence claims such as grass-fed or carbon neutral is really important. So being able to carry that in a data-driven way um, is really Valuable offshore. And, and so what's the so if I'm a consumer in one of those offshore markets, Paul, am I am I going to the shop, picking up a product, scanning the back of the pack sort of thing, and then finding out all about, you know, the farm came from and what's happened on the way th- to get here? Yeah, absolutely. As Emma said, it's a digital license plate. So each product has a unique QR code. It's yep. unique to that product. And that allows us to carry a whole lot of data and data-driven storytelling. So check authenticity check uh, credence claims like grass-fed, make sure it's certified, working with um, the Fairmark program, for example, or with Assure Quality to carry that data all the way to the hands of the consumer. Yeah. Isn't that great? I mean, it's it feels like that there's a real need for that. And you mentioned, you know, particularly for food products where you're consuming it and you want it to be safe and healthy and parents are thinking about their children, et cetera, that trust. And I come back to that word, you've got it, you've got literally in your name, the word trust is so important, that authenticity. Do you see times when actually that trust is not always delivered on and, you know, your your solution is there to actually protect? Yeah, well, I mean, that's essentially what we do. We protect the product and also the brand. Because if yeah. you think about if a uh, product ends up in a market and it isn't what it says it is or there are claims attached to it that aren't validated, the risk for the brand is that it goes viral and people associate distrust with that brand and then essentially over for them, yeah. Over the last few years, of course, we've got really used to scanning stuff. Like, you know, barcodes have been around a long time, but just in the last few years, we've, you know, QR codes, which I think a lot of your technology is based on sort of those multidimensional barcodes. So you, have you seen a big uptick because of because of COVID? Yeah. <laughs> QR codes are definitely have become something that's quite native for people to do. You see a QR code, you know that you can scan it via the camera on your phone. And yeah. COVID was really good in that sense. So at the same time, uh, so when we started this in 2013, no one really thought about QR codes. They were People weren't really using them anymore. They were ugly. And uh, we've worked to bring them as a data carrier all the way to the consumer. But now also the um, globally, your one-dimensional barcode that's been around since the 60s is migrating to a QR code at retail. Yeah. So one code to rule them all. It's a very New Zealand thing to say. Um, <laughs> we're able to use our technology with a retail barcode, yeah. which improves traceability and uh, reduces food waste and makes your products being sold aren't close to or near their expiry date or past their expiry date, for example. Yeah. So that does that integrate in with the retailers as well then? Sure does, yeah. Oh, sounds complicated. Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of technology behind a very simple black and white picture exactly. on a, on a pack. The, the biggest um, thing I think for us is trying to simplify our message because it is what we do is quite complex. Yeah, it's pretty typical of tech companies, eh? What you do is incredible, but you've got to get it across in sort of a, a quick soundbite. But I mean, you know, literally, as I say, you know, the, the idea that, that you're selling this idea of trustworthiness and traceability and provenance, et cetera, is And huge. also that emotional connection to the consumer as well. So yeah. when a consumer scans the product or the QR code on the product, um, they receive kind of this validated data-driven storytelling, but also having that emotional connection. So being yeah. able to meet the farmers, for example, on the red meat and having beautiful pictures of New Zealand farms. So the story the comes green. to life. Yeah, that real storytelling, emotive side of things. Yeah. Really Has that been something you think is a bit of a breakthrough in terms of making sure that, that 
that your technology is used is because the consumers, you know, it doesn't say complies with standard 12694 yeah. subsection B. It actually shows a beautiful picture exactly. of New Zealand. Yeah. And there's such limited space on the packet as well. So when you've got a, a product in front of you, you can't always include all of this yeah. fantastic data-driven storytelling, which you can do digitally now using yeah. the unique QR code. And I suppose you can enhance it over time too, because once you've once you've got that link to a physical product, you can continue to enhance the storytelling. Absolutely. And that's how our kind of machine learning works as well. Once you've oh, got all yeah, of you're that. throwing in some <laughs> more tech stuff. What's the machine learning doing? Yeah, look, I think um, slapping a QR code on packaging is an open door for other people to use the same QR codes. You have yeah. to protect it yeah. and use data intelligence to make sure someone hasn't copied the code or they're not using a phishing scam to land on a similar website. So right. avoiding counterfeit use of your code. And also then making sure consumers understand the data they're getting has been checked by someone and it's validated. So the machine learning is all about that. That's actually what we do. We're a machine learning company, ultimately uh, using protected QR codes and copy content protection to get that message to consumers. Fantastic. And is, is it driven, is the demand for this driven by consumers or by product suppliers themselves? You know, where do you see the growth being driven from? I think, well, Emma might want to talk to this, but the curious consumer is a function of post-COVID. Yeah. Consumers are more interested in where their foods come from and they're more suspicious of um, claims around greenwashing, et cetera. You might want to talk to that. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I think it's I think it's probably being driven by both. So you've got consumer demand, but then also for brands. And I think it became quite evident during COVID with supply chain bottlenecks and um, volatility, being able to have visibility and transparency of where a product is along the supply chain and being able to identify choke points is actually a really valuable tool for a brand. So that's something I hadn't really thought of. So the brands can now say, oh, we've got so much of our product is stuck in a shipping container at a port somewhere. And uh, they can use your technology for that as well. So being able to um, use predictive analytics to kind of map supply chains and give better suggestions essentially as to the routes that a product can take to get to market. Right, route optimization. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I studied that at university. Oh, very good. <laughs> uh, and and you, the thing about Truscos is not only are you yourselves a Fernmark uh, licensee, uh, we're going to talk about it in a second, but you actually are the, the technology that we use for traceability of the other Fernmark licensees as well. So it's sort of this vortex of, of interest. Do you see a lot of interest from New Zealand companies in trust codes and in authenticity coming from New Zealand? Yeah, I think so. Uh, given where the world's at, carrying the New Zealand story to consumers is quite important yeah. and doing so in a way that resonates with consumers. So being very precise about which market you're in, because we geolocate the product, you can then share a message that resonates with uh, consumers in that region or using their spelling or language settings. Yeah. So I think as brands look to differentiate and use their New Zealandness coming from here has a whole lot of special things about it. Being able to sell that directly to a consumer, regardless of how the product got to market, it's pretty important. Yeah. We talk about that New Zealandness for a while because obviously that's something that we're really interested in. The value of New Zealand and the as a brand in the world. What are you, you know, what are you hearing from the the people you work with? That we're trusted. I think essentially, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of goes without saying. I think as soon as people hear our accents, they can tell that we're from New Zealand, and I think that that does hold a lot of value in a positive way. We're known offshore for being innovators. I think being so far away from the rest of the world. Um, we kind of put our heads down and, and get things done as well. And I think that's part of the amazing thing about being in New Zealand is having access to these 
amazing world-class export companies yeah. and being able to pick up the phone and, you know, talk to the CEO or people in the company without question. I think that's a really A small cool population thing. helps yeah. in some ways, doesn't it? Yeah. Exactly. I think there is a halo effect in New Zealand now with not only trust but sense of community and collaboration has come out of COVID. The team of 5 million has resonated globally and that's helping us deal with customers overseas all the time. So I think we hear a lot more about how cool New Zealand is and yeah. what a great bunch of people we are and how we're so trustworthy. And I used to confront this. is this. not just from your family. This is from other people. <laughs> well, not when we're in the family. States. My family doesn't say that about me, David. <laughs> <but anyway. laughs> I did notice that when we were in the States recently, whenever I'd say, well, they'd say, are you from New Zealand or Australia? And I'd say New Zealand. And they'd go, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Like it's just this, I don't know, sense of coolness. <laughs> What's really come through is that New Zealanders tend to be quite understated and that's often a, a rare commodity in overseas markets. Yeah. They're used to people hustling and overstating everything. Anyway, I have had a person in the US tell me that they were completely surprised that we delivered everything we said we would. Because usually people oversell and then don't deliver. Oh. So I think New Zealand's got a reputation of being quite understated, getting on with it, being pretty decent to do business with. Oh, and, and we keep going back to the word trust, but I think that sums all and that honest up. honest as well. I think yeah. we quite often get that as well. Like, to your point, um, we're always honest with what we can deliver and what we can't deliver. Yeah. So if a customer asks us to do something and we can't do it, okay. we're upfront with that or we try and problem solve it with them yeah. rather than either shutting it down or saying, yes, we can do it and then having a disappointed customer. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned, you, you're a Fernmark customer and that Trust Codes uses the fact that you are from New Zealand by showing the Fernmark. For a technology company, what's the benefit of that link to New Zealand that the Fernmark shows? We have found strongly that all the things I've just spoken about in terms of sense of community and, and decency and honesty come through from New Zealand. That's part of our brand. Yeah. I think the other thing is um, there's lots of really successful New Zealand tech companies now doing well offshore, not just the ones we talk about all the time, but you know, High Tech Awards last week are a good example of those cool companies yeah. that most people haven't heard of doing really well offshore. And the good thing about Kiwi companies, we kind of have a Silicon Valley effect. In, in our case, we've accessed some of the world's best physical product companies and agriculture and food and fibre, and they are world leading, so we've got to work with them. And I know I can pick up the phone and, you know, talk to um, Cameron, for example, to predict HQ, who's leading the way in artificial intelligence and machine learning predictive algorithms. Yeah. So that Silicon Valley effect of picking up the phone and being able to talk to another Kiwi landing in San Francisco and knowing there's a bunch of other Kiwis we can yeah. talk to, that sense of community, um, that's what New Zealand does bring. Yeah. And Americans particularly are surprised how well we collaborate. Yeah. So I think that's what the Fernmark carries, the sense of common interest collaboration and willing to innovate and do things and think differently. Fantastic. So thinking about the fact that you're a New Zealand technology company, what's the difficulties and, and the benefits? Like, you know, it's not always the easiest being so remote from your customers, but at the same time there must be benefits. Can you reflect on both of those? I think the FaceTime is really important, and we were discussing this earlier, being able to get face-to-face -face in front of clients, potential clients, partners, that wider ecosystem is really valuable, and that yeah. became very apparent during COVID. I think at the start, we thought, oh, no, this is fine, you know, we can jump on a Zoom call, but then... 
after the second lockdown, we managed to get over to Melbourne for five days and we managed to close more business in five days than we had for the previous year. And it really highlighted that value of why it's important to have face-to-face time. Yeah. We are a long way away. So getting on a plane and and getting that FaceTime and traveling. And I think it means we have to be very precise about what markets we go after. It's not like we're sitting in Europe and Dublin somewhere and we go, Europe is our market and everything's an hour, an hour and a half away. We have to choose very carefully. And if you look at the US, for example, it's not one market for Kiwi tech companies. It's more like, you know, 200 markets, you know, that are city each, if if you're lucky. And um, we know that, you know, with the work we do at New Zealand Story and we see our colleagues at NZTE, many people go, I'm going to go to China or I'm going to go to the US. And you actually, you know, realise you have to have a very different model. Definitely. And also being able to differentiate your your product on a supermarket shelf, I think, when there are a lot of products that are the same, being able to carry those credence claims, which is where Trust Codes comes in as well. So digitally being able to tell that story of grass-fed, clean, green, et cetera. That's really interesting because if if you're a consumer now wandering around the supermarket, you pick it up, you've got multiple claims on the front of the pack, you've got different certifications, you've got little logos that mean different things. It's quite a challenge as a consumer to navigate you know, who can I trust? What does this mean? Like the classic thing is wine bottles when you pick them up and they've got all those amazing stickers. Yeah. And then you find that actually they basically buy them, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and it's from the supermarket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think as well there's a personalization aspect to it as well. So as Paul said earlier, we can essentially tailor the user experience so that it's contextual to the market that it's scanned in. And then I think taking it a step further so that it's personal to the consumer themselves. Wow. Um, so we are doing some very cool work in the sustainability space. So being able to track the carbon, for example, of a product, but then looping it into a loyalty program for me specifically. So I can see as Emma, if I return a product and that packaging is reused, how much carbon I've mitigated. Wow. Me personally. So if I return five products, then that's X amount of carbon. That's really powerful. Yeah, so five reusable packs. Yeah, sorry, reusable packs. You can measure your own kind of budget, your carbon, or whatever it might be. And and I think, again, you can enhance that over time as more things come online. You can can understand what impact did I have for a society or for a a village or, yeah. Wow. Exactly. And I think picking up on your point, um, I've never met a consumer who says, give me more data. Yeah. So while you can carry all this digital information to a consumer, it has to be digestible and useful to the consumer and mean something. And we're finding we're doing a lot more in infotainment. So getting consumers engaged by playing games, ah. uh, you know, relating to app growing apples in, in the Hawke's Bay is water and sunshine are the main ingredients. So we get consumers in China to play a game with water and sunshine. The more water and sunshine they get in the right mix, the more apples they grow. And they share their points online. But we're reminding those consumers that that's how you grow apples in New Zealand. Yeah. And, and yeah, the benefit of clean water and you know, yeah. clear skies and all that sort of thing. Yeah, we can carry pollution indexes, for example, which means something to a consumer in China, but don't yeah. mean a lot to a consumer in New Zealand or Australia. All that infotainment, but it's got to be so digestible, otherwise you just swamp them and overwhelm them. That's right. Gosh, sounds like a lot of fun. Where's, where's the business going to go? You sound like you're too, having too much fun here. Great question. <laughs> 
Where's the business going to go? The world domination. Uh, well, no, <laughs> uh, I've, I'm, I'm on a, a traceability committee with the global barcoding standard and we talk all the time. There won't be one winner yeah. here. So I think the business will go collaborating with our competitors effectively, not, not in the sense of market, but in the sense of data sharing so that data is more democratized and available to consumers. They can make better choices. But I think ultimately... I should be able to go to the supermarket and say I'm celiac. And so if I scan a product, it says there's no good for your pool yeah. um, because of the allergen content. So that's a safer, more equitable food chain, less food waste because I'm not buying products I'm not going to eat. Wow. If I've got the expiry date in there, it should be able to say to me, oh, Paul, you've, you've got some lamb in the fridge. Either freeze it or cook it. And here's a great recipe. It's raining outside, so I won't tell you to put it on the grill in America, the barbecue in New Zealand. God. So that's the future of It's having a little bit big brothery, though, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> Well, it's not about Paul, you. you haven't eaten properly in days. I'm really worried about you. <laughs> I'm going to lock yeah, you in your room sugar. until you promise to eat better. That's true. <laughs> uh, I um, I don't think we'll go that far. So anyway, I haven't met any consumers who want data over information that's digestible. Yeah. And we'll keep out all the creepy stuff if we could, that we're tracking all of you now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think food security is a really big one as well. I yeah. think at the moment um, there's a lot of concern around food security. So having a solution that can help with that, like we spoke about earlier around yeah. supply chains and being able to see where food is going yeah. and having that transparency is really important. Uh, this is an interesting thing. If, you, if you've if you lived your whole life in New Zealand, you don't really understand what it's like to live in a country where you literally can't trust whether the food is exactly. right, whether the water is going to kill you or, or at least make you very ill. We're so lucky. And so having that you know, ease of doing business and, and trust that comes from a place like New Zealand, transferring that through the supply chain is so important. Definitely, yeah. Absolutely. And our technology is not just used for New Zealand companies. Of course, yeah. we're installing overseas all the time. And our New Zealand experience is transferred. Those companies want a bit yeah. of what we offer our customers. They want that trust and authenticity yeah. as well. And to be associated with a company that, you know, that can offer that. It's wonderful. Well, we're nearly out of time, but I've got one final quick challenge for you. And you get you have to do it without thinking too much, all right? Oh, gosh. Your top three Kiwi food products. Oh, I can't do that. We've got so many customers. They have to be customers. They'll all hate me. Oh, okay. Meat, okay. honey, and fruit. There we go. Meat, honey, and fruit. There we go. Emma? Hortic I'm giving, yeah, industries Even as well. Bigger. Horticulture. <laughs> Horticulture, wine, um, honey. Manuka honey. Horticulture and wine are pretty much the same thing, but good on you. Well, fresh fruits. <laughs> okay, there we go. Very good. Thank you so much for being part of our Fern podcast and for flying the fern. Thank you very much for having Emma us. Emma from Trust Codes. Been great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast series is all about highlighting the amazing work New Zealand companies are doing in a variety of sectors and spaces. If you like this episode, there's plenty more great stories from Flying the Firm podcast that you can listen to. Just go ahead and check them out where you found this one. We're also highlighting the Fernmark license program, which we talked about during the episode. The Fernmark is our national symbol and a country of origin mark that helps Kiwi businesses promote trust, authenticity and credibility by leveraging the good reputation that New Zealand has overseas. To find out more or to apply to be part of the program, head to our website, fernmark.nzstory.gov.nz. And lastly, please rate, review and subscribe. It helps others find us. Hide it for now.